<laughs> How you feel, Pablo? Feeling good about? I feel, um... I feel great. You know, it's almost it's almost hard to see the countdown because oh. I'm just so high up. Oh, I, are... I uh, by the way, are you gonna, do you want to do you want to say it here? I waited to hear it from you till just now. So, so what? That you you paid for dinner last night? That is an interesting way to say thank you, but you are your welcome. Uh. Oh, I mean, thank you. It's only been, what, how long we know each other? Like eight years? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and every meal that we've shared, I've paid for, and you paid for one last night. And but a cheap one, mind you. You got you you got all easy. A cheap one, sir. Yeah. Sir, we got some Low prawns. End. We got some 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 steak that, that had like some butter that was so expensive that it actually confused me um it was it was delicious and we watched the national title game uh, or that started to <laughs> is that a game <laughs> we watched the first game of the season where some directional school tries to play against a good team that's what we watched that's right we made a we we, we had a nice event of a watch party for a school that had to wonder is part of our name actually um really delivering on the promise of <laughs> celestial salvation but alabaster where do you want to start so my question coming off of that game is about the georgia dynasty the dynasty um where does this two-year run from georgia rank all time for you i mean we're okay so two-year run Historically contextualizing that, I, can we just, I mean, where it ranks is number one on the list of games that were made more boring, more quickly than any other game I can recall watching that had yeah, sticks. I, the, I think it was, yeah, uh, the biggest point disparity in a bowl game ever, not in a championship mm -hmm. game, not in the modern era. In the history of bowl games, this was the biggest point differential ever. So I think there's lots to be said about the state of the playoffs, smaller schools getting in, all that stuff. But the most impressive thing is Georgia lost 15 players to the NFL last year and then somehow mm. came out and was undefeated and even more <laughs> impressive this year. So I don't know how where this two-year run ranks, but I do know that the dynasty that is just being birthed in Georgia is going to be an impressive one, assuming that Nick, Stab Nick Saban stops coaching eventually. As Kirby Smart's like so much younger than him. If he stays there, they're going to take over because they have all those recruiting advantages and they're really good. Well, yeah, the question maybe is like, what are we doing with Kirby Smart as somebody who was there for a lot of those championship runs at Alabama, Alabama. as defensive coordinator? And when we rank like this two-year run, I mean, let's just be um, pedantic about this and point out that Alabama was in six of the previous seven national title games. Like there is a ways for Georgia and Kirby Smart to go to make it their own exclusively. And by the way, Alabama, correct me if I'm wrong here, they have won two in a row before. Right, yeah. like mid two thousands, that was them. They've done this There's now. Six titles in twelve years, right? It's impressive. Right, right. So, like the longitudinal like aspect of this accomplishment, we have a long ways to wait. But in terms of the promise of it, in terms of like, is this the best start that we may have ever seen to a run like that? Yeah, they're they're like on the way. Yeah. But I mean, they man. they've been in. 
they've been in the championship game before. They've been competitive for a long time. Like it, it's yeah. one of those programs that uh, the recruiting base in Georgia is so like perpetually strong that if you keep a few players in state, you're going to be competitive. You keep more and more in state and even go out to California to to boost your tight end room, then yes, you're going to be a national champion. I think the only thing standing between them and an Alabama-type run is Alabama because when Alabama went on their long run, there were teams popping up here and there, but there was not uh, like existing power to the degree that uh, Alabama exists now that they're going to have to knock off. There's no reason to believe that Alabama is going to fall off. They were probably two plays away from being back in the playoffs and uh, their recruiting classes have not fallen off. They're going to still be competitive be competitive so it's going to be really hard for Georgia to like turn this into a, a run like Saban has as long as Saban and Alabama continue to recruit well and play well which I have no reason to believe that they're going to stop well that's why I found it very funny that Nick Saban was there at the desk like for this game presumably because he wanted to be a billboard for recruiting but also because maybe he wanted to replenish like his engine of hatred just like imagine how mad like Nick Saban is someone who famously infamously said after he won the national title game one year that the damn game cost me a week of recruiting and just like <laughs> the way he must have been walking around in LA just plotting plotting the demise of Georgia because of every question like this one that producers have dare ask dared to ask yeah I imagine there's a reckoning coming from Alabama yeah. Um, do we owe Stetson Bennett uh, any bit of Stetson Bennett appreciation? Because I do think his this is the peak of his football career. I may, it may not be the peak of his life professionally or personally, because I think that things will never be bad for him in Georgia. He'll be living a good life in Georgia for a long time. Absolutely. And by never the way, mind, we don't need to celebrate him. We don't need to celebrate him. He's going to be fine. <laughs> Four touchdowns those... to there and two on the ground, though, is pretty impressive. It's crazy. Lots of it was one of the few uh, comments that we made that I did want to carry over from last night to today is just a lot of white touchdowns, oh, as so Dominique many. observed. I mean, yeah. it was just the start of the game. It was like a, a guy named Lad McConkey out there McConkey. catching touchdowns. Duggan yeah. ran one in. Uh, Stetson ran two in. I was very confused that we were on the verge of some white interceptions, but we didn't get carried away. No, Alabaster, don't come in here and clean it up. No, I got a, I got a take. I got a uh, fact for you guys. Did you guys know that Stetson Bennett is older than Carson Wentz and Jared Goff? Yes, I did know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's not it. actually. But that was, was believable, that. right? It He's really older was. I was than, like, um, Lamar, yeah, he's, he's Lamar the same Jackson, age as same Lamar age, Jackson. Trevor Lawrence, um, and uh, Justin Herbert, both both younger. Yes, fans. yes. Almost, he's Before. almost Tom Brady's age. <laughs> God, the delivery though, it's just it's not good delivery. I need joke school for both of you guys after this. <laughs> oh, check mark. Yep, crushed it. Got I got it. one more question. It's a pass fail school. Um. Is it an appealing opportunity to coach Kyler Murray? Mm. 
I, I want to know what Dominique thinks. I mean, the talent wise, right? Like, uh, so this is why I want to know what Dominique thinks beyond my general inclination to punt questions of football to people <laughs> who know way more about football. Um, it's because Dominique, you love culture. You're culture guy. And Kyler Murray is talent guy. He is not culture guy so far. Now there have been variables that we're now isolating because Cliff Kingsbury fired, right? Steve Kime. Uh, effectively fired if he hasn't been already, right? Like there's lots of change in the front office. He is remaining. And we have said before on this fake program that he should remain. But do you want to coach him if you're the, I don't know, next coach of the Cardinals? Are you excited about that? It's hard not to get excited about his talent. Um, uh, him getting a non-contact knee injury is really concerning um, going forward. However, I think that you can explain away some of his challenges by the the environment that he was in. Oops, lost the. By the environment that he was in, there we go. Yeah, if you if you are a podcast listener, then I'm not explaining what just happened because YouTube only, baby. Um, and neither am I because it's embarrassing <laughs> for Dominique. I cannot be embarrassed. You can't be this awesome <laughs> and be embarrassed by something like that. But anyway, um, I think. It's very difficult to find it in you to be like super team guy when you are playing for an individual or an organization that does not meet a standard that you expect. And I think given how Cliff Kingsbury was brought in there and given Steve Kimes track record, I think it's probably reasonable that Kyler Murray had a hard time like sublimating himself to the team concept when the guys who are running the show are like, don't have the credibility that you would want. So I don't know that I'm all out on Kyler Murray. I don't know him personally. I think the, the uh, Peterson remarks like make me a little bit concerned about Patrick Peterson on his podcast talking about, he doesn't care about anybody, but Kyler Murray is the thing. Yeah. That makes me more concerned than anything that maybe there's more to this Kyler Murray, like maturity thing than anything else, but it's getting a job in NFL's head coaches. is difficult. Getting a job where there's a quarterback with promise is even more difficult. So uh, there's lots of holes on this team, lots of issues to address, but they seem to have an answer at the most important position and uh, a smart coach, could come and get the best out of them and change the the fortunes for the team. Well, it's also more than that, I think. It's the idea that if you're Kyler Murray, and I hope someone, someone both cynical and optimistic enough who likes him is saying this to him in a real convincing way, you have a real opportunity, man. Like, you could win the PR narrative. Like, this season is going to be yours. Yeah. If you want to be everything, even performatively, that you aren't or weren't. Because we now have this thing, Alabaster, where like we're all down to blame Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, yeah, just we make want it to easier so for us to do so. It's just a stunning indictment that we haven't been full throatedly doing that yet. Okay, so I do have. It's not even hypothetical. This is actually a possibility that I want to lay out because I am not a hundred percent sure that eighteen months from now Kyler Murray is going to be an Arizona Cardinal, which I find fascinating because that is clearly a tank team next season. I think we can all agree with that. Kyler is going to miss most, if not all, of the year. They think mm-hmm. Hopkins is going to demand a trade this off season. If Arizona is really, really bad, which seems possible, and they're in the running to draft Caleb Williams, 
Is that even like a Kyler Murray franchise? Because no one's going to take Kyler over five years of Caleb. Well, I mean, if that if we're still talking about the same question, that's all the more reason to be the coach. <laughs> if you feel like you're in position to p- potentially do the Arizona card, the move that the Arizona Cardinals have made famous and draft the quarterback of the future and then and the number one overall pick and then go and draft another first rounder for your new quarterback of the future. I guess Rosen wasn't number one overall, but it was a first rounder. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's reasonable. It's possible. I'd certainly do it if I had an opportunity to get Caleb. I hadn't even considered that this was potentially a closet tank, which means they need to call the Houston Texans so (laughs) they can find a black coach to hire for one year. Or they can just hope that Steve Wilkes hasn't blocked them, (laughs) like blocked their number. Why would Steve Wilkes block their number? Oh, I don't know, because maybe he was the Houston Texans head coach before he was actually the Houston Texans future head coach when he was the Cardinals actual head coach for a year. The Cardinals, though, are also just like, you know, I just don't I guess I wouldn't want to coach the Cardinals if I had other options, because the Cardinals are obviously just cursed. Like there's an action like look at everything that's happened to them. Stay away. If you have options, I would say. Like as much as it's cool to live in Arizona, I don't. Uh, no thanks. Man. Whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't. I didn't know it was cool to live in Arizona, but I do know that the Cardinals have been in the NFL like since its inception, just about. And it's shocking how little success they've had over their entire um, tenure. Like they're one of these original teams, and for whatever yes. reason, they always feel like an expansion team. So that <laughs> is kind of concerning to me when you look into like the early 1900s of football and the Cardinals are there not winning then too. It's, I don't know if they're cursed or not, but it's not a job that if you have options you would want, but I mean, most options are bad. That's the point is like this option's not good, but you have potential at quarterback. So I don't know this, this topic does feel like it's boring though at this point. It does. It does so much so, so. that I'm not going to jump in to make it less boring. I'm going to assume that they'll yeah. cut right here. Spring is here, or at least uh, college football season is over. The NFL season is still going on. Spring is not here, but Izzy's shirt is here. Sorry, it was very confusing. I was like, oh, warmth, basketball season, sunlight, (laughs) flamingos. Somebody, I wore these. I have, like, shorts that match them. You know, those, like, matching uh, shorts and button downs, which is all, like, the... Uh, I think guys wear to brunch or something, but I took a picture in one and a friend of mine calls them fancy pajamas. And now I kind of never want to wear them in public. <laughs> pajamas but in here, public no is, problem. I mean, pajamas in public kind of a flex. I don't, I mean, I feel like you can rock pajamas in public and you're doing all right. Or you're doing really well. Pajamas in public at a music festival. That's about it. Oh, nice. And then I couldn't tell if I was doing really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like you're like one pacifier away from being like uh, really, really that guy. Never the done the pacifier thing. Nope. Uh, but right, speaking Alabaster. of pacifying, Alabaster, yes, we'll give you what Thank you, you want to. Well done. Uh, I was going to make a joke about how Jokic looks like a giant baby, but that was a better mm. bridge. Um, okay, guys, we're at the half point of the NBA season. Do you think it's clear that Nikola Jokic has been the MVP? This giant baby, okay, <laughs> 25, 11, and 10. And it's not the numbers that tell the whole story. It's the fact that, I don't know, like there are other arguments. We should air those arguments on behalf of everyone else, Luka Doncic, Giannis, et al. But the Nuggets are currently number one in the West. 
And if MVP means anything, it feels like that should tip the scales. Again, like not to make a joke about the bigness of the baby, but it feels like he is the right answer, I got to say. Yeah, you left my guy Tatum off, but I, I'll I'll let Israel go and before I Him come too. in. Him too. Well, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit lately because I remember last year when he won it, people were basically saying, man, the things he's going to have to do next year to win it again. And he's kind of doing those things. Like he's going to average a triple double in all likelihood because he knows he can. Um, and, you know, he's got what multiple 100% shooting triple double games, which has only been done by two other players. And uh, I believe one of those other two is Draymond, by the way. I don't know if that makes it any better or worse, but uh, <laughs> the other one's Wilt. And oh, yeah, so I like with that. Always yeah, lead, sorry. always lead with Wilt. Yeah. Oh, and then um, you look at the numbers. And you say, yeah, early on, it was Jason Tatum probably leading the way because of the success of that Celtics team, um, you know, but I think now it's I think it's Jokic. I don't think it's a runaway. I don't think that number one seed is something they're necessarily going to hold on to. It's been sort of a uh, moving around the, the Western Conference a little bit over the last month and a half. But I, I think he is the MVP again so far. And here's a question I have for you guys more so than is he the MVP now? What would he be? if he played in a different market? What would he be if he was a New York Nick? What would, because like, I don't think there would be as many questions. I think it would be more like, hey, we can give this guy the MVP every year. Let's get him enough help. You think so? All eyes on him. I do. I think it's a little bit of a market. I might think, this is a good uh, a good question, actually. And the it reason is. why I think it's a good question is it does not expose the big disparity in information that you and I have and the takes, the flimsy takes that I was going to make to support my Jason Tatum <laughs> choice. But um, I think it's interesting because I think the opposite ha happens, actually. Hmm. I think Jokic out in the in Denver, a smaller market in a different time zone than the East Coast, I think we only hear about him when he's cooking. And fortunately, he's cooking most of the time, and he doesn't get the same pressures that I feel like these major market teams get. Like, it's the Lakers and – the Knicks come to mind where if Jokic is balling with the Knicks, I think the question is, why can't he take him to the next level? What's he doing wrong? Is mm. He's not a finisher. Like we saw that. At, and I know the three champions or excuse me, the three MVPs in a row is like uncharted territory for guys like LeBron and Michael Jordan. And part of that is because the narrative around LeBron the whole time was not about uh, I, I feel like that influenced the way that we assessed how good he actually was, was because he was covered incessantly, and we ran out of good to say, so we started saying bad, and the bad shit became the story of who he was, so he couldn't get the MVP again. I think Jokic might be in the perfect location in order to get three MVPs in a row, not to take away from his talent, but the narrative around him is not as vitriolic as it is around many of our other superstars before winning titles. But isn't there a I mean, timeline on that? Like he is doing the part where he is setting himself up to be the great. And then these next few years are when you say, yeah. okay, when is he going to complete uh, the, the, the task and win the championship? And I don't think that anybody would argue that he has a championship roster around him last year or the year before. Maybe no. two years ago, <sighs> if you really thought about but it that, in the bubble, that... but not really. Okay, you know this better than me, but to me, whether the roster is championship level or not does not matter for our superstars. Like, it, it felt like it did not matter while LeBron was in Cleveland. And I know I was a lot younger then, but it didn't matter for Jordan until Jordan started to, like, win him. I, I just... I, I don't know, it didn't matter for KD. It just doesn't feel like it matters for anybody. No, to be fair, I think this is the year. 
I think this is yeah. here where it starts. So if he doesn't if he get it because I, yeah. Well, I, I, well, just to refresh the history here, and again, we'll follow our own rule here. We will lead with Wilt, the three players who have had three straight MVPs, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Larry Bird. And now Alabaster points this out too. He's on pace, Jokic is, to finish the season in the top 20 in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, and field goals percentage-wise for the third straight season. And so let's even leave aside the actual like reality of the democratic process which is that voters in general are loath to do this sort of a thing right the standard for him to win this is going to be higher because it's almost as if people are a little or a lot honestly embarrassed to give it to the same guy three times in a row if they're not one of those three guys we mentioned and you'll note that that hasn't happened in literal decades despite lebron obviously deserving it over derrick rose etc etc like to me i think the answer is Jokic with the caveat that we're going to have to maybe make peace with the world in which our regular season award is just a very different thing than the thing we actually care about. I mean, that's just sort of where we are. Can you get bored if he's giving you different stuff? Like all these triple doubles, the, you know, the, it's different, you know, top in the West, that's not what he was doing the last couple of years. It was more like three, four, five. And so he's elevating his game. He is elevating his team. It's not gone stagnant. And so if he continues this the rest of the way, there was a point where not too long ago, he was averaging, I think 9.3 assists. Maybe it was nine assists. It was somewhere in that neighborhood. And he can shoot that up like that. He seems, seems like he, that's when he started getting these triple doubles on the regular and He's kind of toying with the game sometimes. And I think yeah. that that is something that, yeah, you could say Luca does sometimes too, but is it resulting in top seed in the West? No, not yet. Luca's probably, you know, almost getting hurt for his usage rate, for the amount of work that he's putting on his shoulders and the fact that it's not resulting in, you know, top of the Western Conference. Well, Alabaster, there is that difference, right? That is he was just alluding to. Like Luca, who I love, who is incredible, who just had a 60 point, you know, triple everything is like the heliocentric player. He right. is the sun. Everything is him. Jokic is a different sort of guy, isn't he? He is, but I think it just this is going to be how you define offensive value because when Jokic is on the floor, the Nuggets are on pace by points per 100 possession to be the best offense in NBA history. When he's off the floor, they're on par with the early process Sixers. So that value and that, single person that heliocentric person changing the way right. defenses work against him is just as valuable as Luca. he's just not taking as many shots or doling out quite as many assists i don't think pablo has ever nodded so hard because he is in <laughs> such understanding of what those process sixers were like he's like yes i, I fully relate he's <laughs> like yes jakar samson thank you for visualizing this in terms that i can understand yes can we um just like i i don't feel equipped to make an argument against Jokic. But I feel like obligated to make some sort of argument for uh, Jason Tatum because defense guys like Jokic, I, I, I appreciate that Jokic is not a bad defender, but he's not the best or not a, a top of the league wing defender, which Jason Tatum is. And also like the centerpiece of their offense. And it doesn't run through him the way that it runs through Jokic. And I think we've dismissed Giannis and Doncic out of this conversation a little bit, I think. But I think there's something to be said for the value on that end of the court because come playoff time, you need somebody that's going to guard the opposing wing and give them hell. And Jason Tatum can do that while also getting buckets, which I guess come playoff time doesn't matter because it's a regular season award, but you get what I'm saying. 
Yeah. Can I like, he be I, heliocentric on the defensive end? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's, think, it's a I, valuable thing. No one's, no one's going to no, you it look, because I made it clear that I wasn't making an argument because uh, it's football playoff time, and I do not feel fully equipped to fight you on basketball. But Izzy, you wait till the Super Bowl happens. I'm in your <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Oh, I, do, I do, I do, yes. I do, I <laughs> do. Baby. <laughs> Couple things, baby. A. Uh, B, I do think Izzy MVP is a, is a segment that should be branded around Izzy. Izzy MVP <laughs> yeah. is yes. a good Israel well Gutierrez done. branded segment. And that I defense, that. by the way, in general, we like to workshop takes for the sake of not just ourselves, but others here. Always lead with Wilt. And number two, just yelling about how people don't like defense enough is actually accurate. It's true. We don't, we are not here for calculating that. I mean, yeah, you guys see those old highlights of, you know, 90s best. I mean, heck, even during the Shaq documentary, some of those scores are like, woof. Thank goodness for today's no defense. Oh, gosh. So I, I don't know if we earned a check because we did a good job or because I told Izzy I was going to get in his. Yeah, alabaster <laughs> got uncomfortable. Either way, way check achieved. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. What's next, Allie? All right, guys. What's next? The Warriors. Steph has been uh, upgraded to probable tonight when we're taping this against the Suns. People will know if he played or not. But either way, he's on the cusp of his return. And since he's been out, the Warriors righted the ship. Clay is back. Jordan Poole is back. And we know how good that starting lineup is. So my question to you all, do you view the Warriors as the best team in the West? I do. Sure they're back? I, I think do. they lost to somebody named Bay the other day. <laughs> they lost to the Magic, I believe. Sorry. Continue. They're, yeah, they're, I... they're, they're back, though, because I was in on this team when the guys that Alabaster just mentioned are good now were bad. Like, I, I, the fact that they are actually somehow a justifiable pick based on more than, like, look what they did last year is gravy to me. Such gravy, in fact, that we're doing this topic before they even played the Suns. Like, <laughs> like we have no idea Suns. what's about to happen, but we do know that, yes, 26 points a game from Clay, who was absolutely cooked last time we talked about him in earnest. 38% from three. And Jordan Poole, yeah, himself, 28 points a game foreign change assists wise um look they've always been the most talented team their starting lineup was always the best and now you can get a little bit of bench help with jordan pool um i as much as i just made a case for yoke for for Jokic, um yeah man i'm not picking against the warriors in the playoffs sorry Dominique, these faces you were giving are some of the best you've given since I've done this show. So I'd like to hear like exactly his, what's been going his, on through his, your head. His stupid, handsome no, sweater. No, I was I was giving faces to imply that I knew more than I was than I than I um, <laughs> lead on, and then wait for you to give the take for me to piggyback. However, uh, I do <laughs> believe that the 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 tough thing about putting the Warriors in this position as like the best in the West is: do either of you think they were the best in the West last year? Such like, a great point. I, at least. I, I, I don't, and I don't think that they're better than they were last year or even close or even at the point where they were last year. So um, with everyone healthy, without a series of, like, unfortunate events for other teams and with the the Grizzly a year better with a healthy Nuggets team, uh, I, I don't think they're the best in the West because it comes down to them being reliant on Klay Thompson, who – is back temporarily, and Jordan Poole 
who at his best is boomer bust and got played off the floor in the playoffs last year. I just don't really feel as confident as, I mean, it, it requires a lot from Steph Curry, which I guess he's capable of, but I'm standing by my zero goggles. No oh, more yeah, titles right. for Steph. Of wow. It's, of you know course. why I said it was such a great point while you were making it? Because it was the point I was going to make. It was that last year. <laughs> See, I tried I tried to give you faces and then let you say it and then come and say Izzy's right. But you you try to call me and that's what happens. I know a thing or two. I'm just downplaying my team. It wasn't <laughs> until every night. <laughs> it wasn't until the what, can't the gargle final coffee? NBA game of the season where I thought the Warriors were going to win the championship and were the best team. It was only after Steph was doing his thing and I realized the Celtics were cooked. Every step of the way, I thought, this team is really good. Just don't have it. Just don't have whatever it takes to finish the deal off, whether it be a dominant defense, whether it be, you know, a center whatsoever, whether it be, you know, some uh, an old Klay Thompson rather than the most recent Klay Thompson. And, and they did it. Why is because, I mean, you want to talk about heliocentric. Like, I think everybody looks at Steph Curry and revolves around Steph Curry when he is on the floor. And so what he does to a team, especially in a seven-game series, is just make it impossible to scheme against if he's actually playing well. And so um, we saw that last year, and we saw them, you know, do enough with the defense uh, to win the championship. This year... There's nobody running away with the Western Conference. And if you want to talk about some of the players that they, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, I think is going to be a quality, quality player for them in the playoffs. I do think a new, uh, new, old, new, I'm not sure. Clay Thompson is is going to have one or two of these games that he's had in the, po in the, in the regular season in the playoffs again. And so Andrew Wiggins lately has not been healthy 100%. And so you get a healthy Andrew Wiggins and you don't recognize, you talked about you need that Three, that defensive presence on the wing, he is absolutely that. And so you start putting those pieces back together, you realize, damn it, the Warriors are deep and really talented again. And Steph Curry is still, you know, top of the league. I just like how you both were gargling, celebrating gargling your own takes because the proof of them was that you were both wrong about last postseason. Yes. No. Yes. I, I just want to make sure that math adds up. Because you're shocked the Warriors won, the Warriors can't possibly be the best I was team in the so world. surprised that I was wrong that I know that, you know, the opposite must be true. And so if I was wrong <laughs> last year about these Warriors and I look at I believe them that this year they should be a champion. I mean, there's no respect for a healthy Nuggets like uh, with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Who, it's true. Like that, that to me is something. And uh, presumably the Suns will be unbroken coming into the playoffs this year, even though I guess they aren't playing all that well either. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me. I think Izzy made one of the, the better points that I, again, wish he would have made first, <laughs> is that nobody's running away with it, which includes the Warriors. That's they aren't true. even first. So, like, saying they're the best when Steph's not even back yet or may have been back last night, but we didn't watch it because we recorded this yesterday, uh, it seems to be, like, a bit of a stretch when there are other teams that – are and like I would say the Pelicans when Zion gets healthy again is yeah and Brandon Ingram to your guys's point is just like we've got to see it from them first like nobody's going <laughs> to yeah. grant Zion Williamson favorite of the Western Conference playoffs nobody's going to grant Nikola Jokic favorite of the Western Conference playoffs even if he is the first seed they're going to say well we no, gotta no, have, no, have to no, see him get no. him past Steph first 
the only ones who would do that are one of you guys. And the fact that you're not doing it means I'm right. I'm sorry. That is exactly how this has played out. You had a chance. You had a chance. But instead, you're here with me gargling what I'm spitting up. Congrats. Well, how about you guys uh, gargle this last NBA oh, topic? No, so to open-ended on this one, but we are halfway through the season. What's been the most interesting storyline to you? Mm. I want to go last now. I want to go wow. last now. Okay. I want to go Dominique okay. on this. Yeah. All right, this, so since Dominique went before me, we do you want friends. me to go, Dom? Sure. Thank you. A true right. friend. Almost <laughs> 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 such an <laughs> uh, To me, I think it's been the Brooklyn Nets. Don't. I, I oh no! That was damn it! No, that was also what I had. They had fallen apart and they were done. They were left for dead. And then Durant even if you eliminate Kyrie them. Irving from the conversation, which sounds crazy, right? If you eliminate Kyrie Irving from the conversation, this roller coaster that Kevin Durant has been on with this team from the summer until now is interesting enough, especially when you consider sort of where his place is in the NBA, you know, hierarchy and the NBA history, um, the legacy he's trying to sort of cement uh, after leaving the Warriors. And then you throw in the Kyrie Irving element, which was just the most dramatic thing we've seen in an NBA season for a while off the court. And now getting it together where we're just like, man, is this is this going to happen? Like, is this going to be post James Harden? The Nets are going to, you know, come out of the East and win a championship. And who knows what's going to happen to Kyrie? I mean, Kyrie feels empowered right now. Imagine if he wins another one with KD like that to me, I think even though I don't think they are championship built yet. I don't. I think they need to sort of tinker with the roster a little bit. I think they've been the most intriguing. And that includes off the court and on the court. This is one of the things about the NBA that people get annoyed with. We don't talk about the game enough. The game for the Brooklyn Nets has been beautiful. I'm waiting. <laughs> for what? <laughs> well, I mean, I think the most intriguing um, NBA storyline for me has been the decline of the Cowboys as they get close to the playoffs. It's, they, they really were riding high midseason, and we were like, hey, they could be the best team in the NFC. And then they started to fall off just as they're entering the playoffs. Either that or the Cavs being good or, like, great. I think the Even Cavs were a team. Minnesota Vikings close third? Oh, yeah. I love what they're doing in Minnesota. After they went and got Gobert to catch jump balls in the end zone, it hasn't quite panned out the way they anticipated because, for whatever reason, everyone hates him. Even in Dominique's farcical Cowboys take, he is not actually addressing the Dak Prescott issue. Just carrying water, even, even in I'm the not, postmodern please, fake we can, show. We could talk about that on, in another show at another time, but... Let's appreciate Donovan Mitchell and what he and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are doing. Oh, let me find the roster. Um, Karis LeVert, <laughs> Dean Wade, uh, oh, yeah, Darius Garland, they are Robin Lopez. The Cavs are an interesting storyline. Um, but I, honestly, I think the most exciting thing to me about the NBA regular season is occasionally being confronted with the fact that Big Frenchie is out there mm. and everything is going to change real soon every now and then the clip comes across my timeline and like that ain't fair and it's gonna be ugly next year see yeah. i should always go after dominique because he gives me just such great follow-ups because i do think that one of the top storylines this year has been the draft of next of 2023 of uh course. not just victor like you scoot scoot anderson uh has been yep. 
amazing. And he is the most, I'm going to say it, the most ripped 18-year-old I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, Dominique. I think you probably were ripped when you were okay. 18, but I never saw you back then. Uh, unbelievable. And then you've got, um, you know, the Thompson twins, who I think are going to be yeah, you know, multi-time all-stars. And uh, this is this is quite the the draft. Like, it's, it's going to be ridiculously top-heavy. And it, there's going to be some people diving hard toward the end of the season to just fall to one of those, you know, bottom four well, spots. Well, well, that's why I think, like, it's not my number one most interesting story, but my number two most interesting story is the Jazz. Because they're still, like, 20 and 23, and granted, like, they're not as hot as they were to start the year. But I, I continue to be fascinated by them through the lens of everything you just said. My number one story is the Brooklyn Nets. It is. And I, 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 I hate that. I, yeah, I hate that. Um, I hate that Izzy went ahead of me, but I will say two <laughs> things. Number one, they absolutely still have to figure out the end of the game stuff, like the Durant, Kyrie taking turns stuff, absolutely a problem. Um, still very much uh, turn-based. Uh, but Ben Simmons, I mean, thank you for leaving that name to me to celebrate. Exactly yeah. what he needs He's to be to on poop. the path to – no, no, no. He is – Wait till you see him for these the... few weeks without KD. He's probably going to get better. He's back on to the poop. road, on the <laughs> Thank road you. to non-poop. <laughs> Thank you. He was in the poop, no, and he left no. the poop. Maybe he's back in the poop uh, right now, but he'll poop. be out of the he's poop back soon. In the poop right hey, you know what? But, but you know why the Nets are in the poop, by the way, at the moment? Hashtag heat culture. Can we put a name to the yeah, thing? Like KD. Kevin Durant, I do feel bad. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, just like – what, what was that, Izzy? Defend, defend your culture. You know what's funny? Um, I watched the second half of that game – and I just kind of missed when Jimmy fell back into him. And then I saw oh, him sort sure. of crack knees later and thought that that was the reason. So you're going to have to show me a replay on that. I don't remember. <laughs> by the way, oh, by God. the way, you talk crap about uh, Jimmy Butler. What did he say after he clearly got fouled on the game-winning attempt? He said, nope, I should have made it. That's a leader right there. Not someone who Is complains. He just went, Not someone who demands. He, he just, just went, um, he just went Mark McGuire. I'm not here to talk about the past. Thank you. Thank you for giving Whoa. us the congressional steroid answer. Guys, I do. This actually was one of my top storylines. It's one of the great mysteries. There have been disappearances across South Florida. What happened to Heat culture and Heat Twitter? It's like they're a mediocre mm. team and they're gone. Are they just all wearing teal now? Is that how um, it goes? I can't speak ill of Heat Twitter uh, because, you know, I'm not on Twitter that much. But, yeah, you know, this this is a team. Oh, here, let me just say that maybe Miami fans were distracted for a few weeks. Dominique, I'm sure you would appreciate this. Dolphins, you know, for the first, what, 11, 12 weeks of the NFL season. We don't have time for basketball. Yeah. Now they're getting more into it. Now, yeah, they lost to the Brooklyn Nets. But, hey, it was the Brooklyn Nets. They're a great team right now. So give it a second. Relax. Bam Adebayo is doing his thing. Tyler Hero needs to stay healthy. Jimmy Butler, he's fine. But I got to ask you a question, Charlie. I think I want to make you do a little bit more work here. Um, do you happen to remember or can like pull it up from maybe my last appearance or the previous appearance on the show? I'm not exactly 100% uh, sure, but where I made sort of a snide remark about like Walker Kessler when I was mm -hmm. discussing the Utah Jazz as if he was just a nobody. If you have that, play it here. There's somebody named Walker Kessler on their team who went to Auburn, who's like a seven footer who's been playing lately. I don't know who this guy is, but like, they I just don't. randomly have All a bunch confusing. of people. Okay. Now, <laughs> I would like to 1000% Good use of a time machine. Yeah. Could apologize to uh, Mr. Kessler. I apologize not only because you were, you are very good and you are Rudy Gobert light, apparently, but 
you have a connection to heat culture. Did you know this, Pablo? Did you know this, Dominique? No, no. no. But of course, it was going to go Uncle Alec Kessler, may he rest in peace, was a member of the Miami Heat. A, oh my a God. One of the original, not original, but early on, I think, members of the Miami Heat. And so, you know, I should have known that. I should have known. Instead, I just gave some flippant comment, probably, you know, profiling. And now he's going to be really good. And my bad. Can we end the show? Yeah, I, I feel like the same the way. Once, which... we, once we get into like heat pumping and apology portions of the program, mm. we are done. Yeah. You talked as life first. Pablo, hey, good news, guys. What? What happened? Um, never mind. What? That's bad news. What? what are you up to? to get awkward Why are you, at the end uh, of the what? show, that's all.